Right, good morning. So uh, today we are going to be looking in Psalm 70, and um, it's a it's a very short psalm. It is five verses. So uh, for any of you that don't know me, my name is Tim, and uh, I'm one of the deacons here. And uh, I am just, I'm excited to have the opportunity to preach and um, to share God's word with you guys this morning. Um, if you pray with me for just a minute, and we'll get started. Father, we, we thank you for your word. Um, we thank you uh, that in your great love for, for us, you have uh, preserved your word for us, Lord, that we have um, the opportunity to read it, um, that we are blessed to be able to read, to be able to read it in our own language, to have it available to us in so many different ways. And um, we thank you that, that we have that opportunity, that we, can, um, that we can read it, that we can understand it, that you speak to us through it, that um, we have the opportunity to be changed by it, um, that we have the opportunity to speak it to each other, that we have the opportunity to pray through your words. And um, we, we thank you um, specifically for the Psalms. We thank you, um, Lord, that, that you have given us such a vast resource uh, that, that helps us through all kinds of times in life, through, through happiness, through pain, through um, times of, of great joy and excitement and times of deep sorrows and woes. And uh, Lord, what, what a blessing it is to have your word. Um, I pray that, that you help me this morning to uh, properly work through your word, Lord, that you would speak um, through your word. And uh, we just pray this in your name. Amen. All right, Psalm 70 says, To the choir master of David for the memorial offering, Make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be put to shame and confusion who seek my life. Let them be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let them turn back because of their shame who say, Aha, aha. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great, but I am poor and needy. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. So again, we're, we're looking at a very short psalm today. Um, like I said, it's, it's just five verses, but I think it's an excellent passage for us for a couple of reasons. Um, the first is just to, to look at, at this psalm as a bit of a case study for us to examine how to identify and study Hebrew poetry. The second is to be reminded that the psalms exist as a resource for us in prayer. And so I think this, this passage is, is a good reminder that um, for us, the psalms aren't really something that we, we read once and then we absorb everything it has to say and then we move on with our life. Uh, but, but the Psalms are, are Hebrew meditation literature. It's, it's something that we read over and over and over throughout our life. We, we read through all 150 Psalms, and we read through them over and over. And so they're, they're designed for us to come back to over and over through dif different circumstances and different understandings and to grow in our understanding and appreciation of those different Psalms through different times in our lives. 
When we read the Psalms during times of, of joy and times of distress, we, we read them when we're young and when we're old, when we're children and when we're parents. And through all situations, we grow and we understand them better. And the Lord speaks to us differently through them, depending on the situations that we find ourselves in. And so as we look to this text, the first thing that we want to note here is that Psalm 70 is an almost exact lifting of Psalm 40, 13 through 17. And so I have a slide here, and it's kind of hard to see because this is a lot, and it's kind of small. But you'll see on, on uh, one side I have Psalm 40, uh, 13 through 17, and the other side I have Psalm 70. And if you can read any of that, you'll see it, it almost lines up exactly perfect. A couple of words here and one line changed. So David is listed as the author for both Psalms. And so we have two possible options here. The first is that David wrote Psalm 40. And then at some later point in his life, David shortened it and set it apart to be used, as it says here, for the memorial offering. He like took part of his previous work, shortened it, and said, this is a, this is a psalm, this is a song that we're going to sing at this specific time. The other option is that there's, you know, a, a later redactor who's working on psalms, and he shortens that section also to be used at that specific time. And he says, this is from David, because he didn't write it. David wrote it, and he doesn't want to plagiarize David, and so he titles it that way. Either way, we end up with the same thing. Someone inspired by God took a previous section of Psalm 40, shortened it, and said, let's use this at another time. So, as I mentioned, Psalm 70 is an excellent place uh, to get a little bit of a, a short primer on Hebrew poetry and how to identify Hebrew poetic structure and, and what it's trying to tell us. So, when I went through this week trying to pick a psalm, um, I, I, I was having a hard time trying to figure out which one to do. I, I've preached through a couple of psalms, and I was looking through and who's preached the different ones and what, you know, what haven't we touched. And I started on one and really felt like uh, I, I was focusing on the wrong one for the wrong reason. And I just kind of opened my Bible and started thumbing through and, and found one that I had marked all up. And thought, well, there's probably a good reason I had marked that one up. And so I started looking through it. And, and one of the reasons I had marked, marked it up was um, I, I've been trying to go through the Psalms and trying to see that, that poetry and those structures there. And in doing so, I, I try to like, okay, I see it says this word here, and I see it says that word down here, and mark them both with a square. And then I see it has this phrase here, and that phrase is repeated, and Mark those with a line and whatever. And so what I've tried to do this morning as we go through this is show you a little bit of that, um, but I'm going to try to do it with, with some color, with the power of technology, so that maybe you can see it a little bit better. And now I don't have like underline and double underline and triple underlines and squares and boxes and all of that. So uh, the next slide here, I have the first thing. And again, this one's a little hard to see. But when we look at the passage here, we have... In the very beginning, it says, Make haste, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. And so he starts with, with this plea from God to make haste to deliver him. And then we see 
down here at the bottom. It says, hasten to me, O God, you are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. And so straight from the very beginning of of this psalm, we see one of these foundational parts of, of Hebrew poetry is that they don't really write poetry the way that we think of it in English, right? Like when we think of poetry, we think of, you know, roses are red and violets are, you know, we think of that, uh, that rhyming structure or, or that pentameter, and that's not the way that the Hebrew people looked at poetry at all. So what they do a lot is, um, the, the first thing is, is that they will just do parallels. And so, um, so it, it's based around repeated words, repeated phrases, alternating words or phrases, opposite words or phrases, and then repetition and parallels on opposite ends of the poem. So what we see here first is we have, we have a parallel, right? Make haste, O God, deliver me. And then he repeats it, and he turns it a little bit. O Lord, make haste, help me. So the first thing he's doing is he's doubling that, and he's telling us, this is important. I've said it twice, so now you know that it's important. And then to make it even more important, he's placed it at the very beginning, and then he's taken the same thing and he's put it at the end of the passage and he's doubled it down there, kind of tripled it, not quite. But he said, make haste, O Lord, deliver me. O Lord, make haste and help me. Hasten to me, O God, you are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay or make haste. Once again, hurry up. He's saying it, He's doubling it, and then he's doubling his doubling, right? So he's quadrupling it, and he's putting it on both ends, and he's showing every possible way this is the most important thing you need to know here. So this tells us unequivocally that this psalm is a plea to God to be quick and to deliver the psalmist. The psalmist has done everything he can, again, in this structure to show us this is the most important takeaway we need to have here. Um. So we see first that the psalm begins and ends with God, right? He's, it's always tempting for us in a time of trouble to try everything but to turn to God. Now we, we, we lean on our own understanding. We try to figure out what it is, what is it that, that I can do. Um, we do our best to solve it on our own. And then when nothing else works, then we turn to God. Maybe that's not you. Maybe that's me. It's definitely me. Um, that, that I, I want to try to, what can I do? How can I solve my problem? And then when it doesn't work, then pray about it, right? So how much better would it be if our initial reaction is always to immediately turn to God? Anytime anything happens, any trouble, any strife, any concern, our immediate reaction is not, what can I do to fix this? But to pray to God, to cry out to God. So David not only cries out to God, but he pleads to God that he will hasten or hurry. He's saying, quickly, God, come to my deliverance. Please save me quickly. I need you, God. I want to say first, as as staunchly reformed people, we can often be uh, afraid to be so candid as, as David is in the Psalms, right? When we pray, We can be so concerned about God's sovereignty that we're wary of asking God to do anything. So we might might throw in some, if it's your will to do so's, in there. And again, that may not be you, but I know it's me. So uh, I think it's good for us to read through the Psalms and we see David's 
brutal honesty, his willingness to pray the things that, that make us feel uncomfortable, right? Like, I feel uncomfortable telling God to hurry. Like, I, I imagine God is, is like Gandalf, right? He is never late nor early. He does things exactly at the time that he means to do so. And so for me to tell God to hurry, I feel like I'm saying, I don't trust in you. I don't think you're going to do things in the right time, so hurry. Uh, I thought about, like, the story of Abraham, right? So Abraham, God gives him a promise. And Abraham is in a hurry to make that promise happen. But rather than trust in God, Abraham decides to take it into his own hands. And he decides to impregnate Hagar. And God is obviously upset with him. But then I also imagine Abraham with Isaac and going up to make the sacrifice. And the text doesn't tell us a lot. It uh, doesn't give us a lot of details, but I imagine Abraham praying to God as he's going up the mountain. And I imagine him praying for God to hurry, like provide for me in this. And I need you to do it now. I need you to hurry. We're almost there. All right. I'm putting Isaac on the altar. I need you to hurry. And I don't, I don't think that that's the same as he, he does in the previous story, right? Like, in this, he is trusting in God. He's not relying on himself, but he's praying, like, God, I need you, and I can't do anything here, and I need you to do it now. So ultimately, this isn't a cry of impatience, right? This is a cry of desperation, which is a cry of worship. It's David's crying out to God that God is his only hope, that David cannot do this on his own. So um, I think you can skip the next one. Yeah, let's skip that because we just went through that and that. There we go. So the next portion here we see we see these three lines, and so I've kind of bumped them over a little bit. We, we have, in verse 2 and 3, we have these three lines, and these three lines basically are repeating each other three different times. So first we had two-time repetition, now we have three-time repetition. And you go to that next one, bud. All right, so now maybe you can actually see it. So he says, let them be put to shame and confusion who seek my life. Let them be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let them turn back because of their shame who say, aha, aha. So here we even see a slight bookend, right? So we have at the beginning, let them be put to shame. And then we have, again, because of their shame. So we have, we have shame at the very beginning. We have shame at the end. And then we have dishonor in the middle. And so again, it's just a little bit of that, that poetry there of where he's, he's bookending these two things. So first we had God, um, we had God, the author, and God. Now we have, we have them, 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 right? So let them be put to shame. Let them be turned back. Let them be turned back. So now David is talking like he was talking to God. Now he's talking about them. He's talking about the people who fight against him, the people who strive against him, the people that are trying to hurt them. And so 
He says, let them be brought to dishonor. Let them turn back because of their shame. Let them have shame. Let them have dishonor. Let them doubly have shame because they, they strive against me. Now, there, there is a very slight change in language here from Psalm 40 and verse 3. Um, in, in Psalm 40, he says, appalled, and then here he says, turn back. So there's nothing in the text here to uh, specifically explain this change. But what I kind of imagine is, is I think, you know, maybe David is the one who, who amends this psalm later in his life. And so David is older, and his heart is softened some. And so now when he, he's amending this, he, he's doubling down on that turn back. So he's not just calling for his, his enemies to be humiliated and that their shame would cause them... Uh, he, He's not just calling for them to be humiliated, but he's calling for their shame to then cause them to turn back, right? So that, that they would not just turn back from pursuing him, but that, that they would turn back from their sin, that they would repent of their sin, that they would turn away from it, that they would turn back to God. And again, it doesn't necessarily say exactly that, but that's kind of in my, my own head canon, what I'm imagining here that, that David is doing. He's, he's softened just a little bit. And now repentance is, is part of what he's imagining in this. All right. Our next slide here, we have the next portion. And so you can see, again, we have kind of a uh, two, two-ish, three-ish line, kind of depending on what we do with five. I think right now we, we bump five here. And so we've had two, three, three, two. And... On, on the next slide, I've got it blown up a little bit more so you can see it again. So, may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great, but I am poor and needy. So we can see some, some pretty obvious connection from the previous lines in these, right? He had, let those, let those, let those. And now he has, may all, may those, but I. So like those that seek David's life are to be put to shame, but those who seek God will rejoice and be glad in him. Those who delight in David's hurt will be brought to dishonor, but those who love God's salvation will evermore praise that God is great. So in, in that first triad, we, we had that, that bookend with shame. And here we have, we have a, kind of a second triad. And so reading through it, we would expect... The second one would, would repeat that. May, may all who seek you and rejoice and be glad in you. But then David kind of throws in a, an unexpected jarring line here, and he says, but I am poor and needy, right? David is, is the man after God's own heart. David, he's, he says that those who seek God will rejoice and be glad, and those who love his salvation will say, God is great. And so we think of David like David was the man after God's own heart. David was the chosen king who served over Israel. So if, if those who seek God rejoice and are glad, and those who love his salvation say God is great, then the next line should be, right? Like, and so then I have all these things. Like I am, am so beloved by God. I have been given so much by God. I rejoice in him, and I look. But David... Right? He, he changes. He says, but I am poor and needy. He's crying out to God. He says, God, I know these things about you. I know that those who love you should have this, that those who care about you should have this, but I don't. 
what's up? Like, why, why is my life different than what I should be able to expect from you? So this line also kind of plays double duty here in the poem. So I, th- I think it serves here and it works with those three verses, but then we can also bump it into the last section here. So I think that's on the next slide. Right? So if we bump it here, we see it work with, with the last three lines as well. So he says, but I am poor and needy, so hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer, O Lord, do not delay. In the end, David is saying, I know God is my help. I know God is my deliverer. I know that those who fight against me will be put to shame. I know that those who seek and love God are going to rejoice and be glad. And yet here I am. I'm not rejoicing. I'm not glad. I am poor and needy. Something is wrong. Come quickly, God. Come quickly. Things are not right. I know that you have a plan. I know that you don't want this for me. I trust in you to make things right. Hurry. Come quickly. Don't forget me. So David has desperation here, right? His his desperation is not merely his outward troubles. It's not just those who seek to hurt him. David's desperate for the Lord. He is desperate to hear from the Lord. He is desperate for the Lord to comfort and help and deliver him. And so I I think that 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 is like, that's really the crux of, of this whole Psalm, right? Is that that we are to be desperate for the Lord. That the God is our help and our deliverer, but it's not just like, yeah, I know that, right? Like God is good and God cares for me and I love him and he does good things for us. But but what we see here is is that that true desperation when when we really know that like I cannot do a thing about where I'm at. I can't change my situation. The only, the only thing I have is God. He's the only one that can fix this. And, and that is what David is getting through. And so in, in thinking about that, like I thought, you know, in, in my own life, and I thought about like with, with COVID and laying in a hospital bed and, um, uh, I'm on the oxygen thing and they tried strapping the, the BPAP machine on me and I'm having panic attacks and I'm ripping it off and I can't breathe and I fought through it the whole night and I'm like, my blood oxygen was below 90 and the pulmonologist came in in the morning and he was like, you have to wear this mask. And I was like, I don't know, I tried, I can't. He was like, if you don't wear this mask, like this is the last option. The next step is intubation and no one comes off of intubation and you will stay on that tube until you die in this room. So put it on. <laughs> and um, like, I, I remember like laying in that bed that night or, or that morning, I don't know, at some point. I can't remember half of it, but lying there and like just crying out to God and, and say like, I, I can't do anything here. I can't even stand up to go to the bathroom anymore. Like nurses are having to come in and stand me up. I have no energy. I can't breathe. I can't eat. I can't do anything. 
And like that, that moment of being that desperate for the Lord is like, God, again, God does, he is sovereign and he does everything in his perfect time. But I had to cry out to him, like to make haste, to hurry and to do it. And he purposefully like made it that time and had me go through those five days before that to get me to that desperate place so that I, I would cry out to him in that manner. So I think uh, one other thing just to note here is that there, there is a one-line difference here from Psalm 40. And um, again, it's a little hard to see, but I put the last, uh, the last part here. I have, I have uh, Psalm 40 on the left and Psalm 70 on the right. And so you can see that line in Psalm 40, it says, but the Lord takes thought for me. But in Psalm 70, it says, hasten to me, O God. So I think David does that here to, for that poetic structure, to be able to have that doubling up at the end. But again, we know that, that all scripture is breathed by God and is useful. And so Psalm 40 here is useful for us as well. Um, and I think on the next slide, I had a, a little bit different, right? Yeah. So the next one, I changed it over to, I think this was the Holman Christian Standard, because I like the way that he said it. He says, the Lord thinks of me. I like that phrasing a little bit better. But that, just to remember that the Lord isn't annoyed by David's call to not delay. The Lord isn't annoyed when we call out for him and say, like, help me, but help me now. Like, don't wait. He isn't indifferent or far, right? David knows that the Lord thinks of him. So wrapping up here, I just want to say, like, as we move into the Advent season and then the next few weeks, I think there's a timely takeaway here, right? Make haste. God, right? As, as the people of God awaited the Messiah, their prayer was for the Lord to make haste, to send his help and to deliver them. They waited so long. They, they waited for hundreds of years with nothing, right? No prophets were, were speaking at all. The, the Lord had basically gone silent to the nation of Israel. And so their prayer at that time was, make haste, send us your Messiah, so in this time of ad, Advent, of awaiting Christmas, we, we put ourselves in their place, asking the Lord to make haste. We also pray that, that he makes haste in his return to make the world perfect and unbroken again. So as, you know, as uh, New Testament Christians, our, our ultimate goal is, is that Jesus does return. And when he returns again, everything that is broken is made perfect. And we, we pray that, that he makes haste. We pray that, that he would come and do that again. We, we pray that as he makes haste, that he would remember his poor and broken people and that he would be, <clears throat> he would be our help and our deliverer. So do pray with me. Father, again, we just, uh, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are our help 
and our deliverer. We thank you that you love us, Lord, that you, um, Lord, that, that you care for us, that, that you hear us, that you listen to us, that um, when we pray, it isn't just going out into nothingness, but that you, the creator and controller of all things, hear our cries and that you care about them or that you care about us. We pray that um, as individuals and as a body, Lord, that, that you would make us desperate for you, that you would remind us that we can do nothing apart from you, Lord, that uh, you are our only hope. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you would just remind us of that over and over. You would remind us of your promises. You would remind us of your word, Lord, and that we would, we would desperately seek you and follow you. And we pray in your name. Amen.